With great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo 5 Mojo 5 We will make America great again. Sam Sorbo. Hi there, and welcome to the Sam Sorbo Show. I have a guest joining me right off the top, and I'm very excited to welcome him. Uh, I'm going to first introduce him, and uh, I just have to get my notes in front of me. He's an American businessman. He's also an Emmy-winning television news anchor. With three decades of broadcasting experience, he hosts the Ledger Report on the One America News Network, and uh, he offers constitutionally conservative analysis of the political news of the day, uh, help me welcome Graham Ledger. It's great to see you here. Is your um, you need to turn your video on, darling? Ah, there you are. It's just me. Thanks for having me, Sam. You look fantastic. So totally I was easy. excited that I um, that to to get connected with you because I've been a fan for a while, and I know that you're part of this recall the governor of California campaign, which is excellent. And very exciting. In fact, there have been a couple people who have reached out to Kevin um, thinking that we still lived in California. Sadly, we don't. But happily, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, but happily. Yes. You live in an undisclosed location that's warmer than California. I think it's fantastic. Yes, I would say that I'm in the basement, but people already know I'm in Florida and we don't have basements here. <laughs> so they reached out to your husband to do what exactly? To run for governor. <laughs> Well, you know, if if the recall is successful uh, and you look at the template that took place in 2003, we had a guy named Arnold Schwarzenegger. You may have heard of him. You know, he he ran, as you know, and and won. Uh, A lot of people thought he was going to be more of a Republican conservative uh, governor than he actually was. So for a lot of us, it was a pretty big disappointment. But I think in California, having lived in California all my life, um, it's going to take a name a household name to try and put California back on the constitutional rails. Um, and hopefully it would be a household name that that actually believes in the Constitution, both the federal Constitution and the California Constitution. It's interesting. I've been kind of searching around for that that white knight. And I think your husband would be great, by the way, if you guys do want to. Uh, maybe we can start a new movement on Facebook, you know, move the Sorbos back to California. <laughs> <laughs> But I've been poking around and I know uh, this is one of uh, your very important issues and it's, it's one of mine. And that is uh, our pro-life um, beliefs in yeah. protecting all life. Right. Yeah. And as I've been poking around, it's interesting in Hollywood, who is very quietly pro-life, people like Jack Nicholson. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, Jack Nicholson is extremely um, a pro-life. And, you know, there's a name. I don't think that he would govern. Um, from a constitutional conservative standpoint, but right. it is interesting that that Hollywood does have some conservative elements still. Yeah, well, and, and you and I both know there are conservatives in Hollywood. And then you have the added question of are they willing to stand? Right. right. And and then after that, are they willing to run right now? My my husband is terribly reluctant to enter politics um, he always says, get Sam to run because <laughs> I will dust it up with whoever. But uh, he's just he's just terribly reluctant. He 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 thinks politics is dirty. Um, he's not entirely wrong. And so, of course, Hollywood's dirty, too. So I'm not sure where. But, you know, he makes his own way with politics. You you have to enter the ring. You have to be in, in that ring. And uh, that's a tough one. 
Um, do you have any leads? I do agree with you that it's going to take a name. You, you need somebody who already has some name recognition. And so, of course, you turn to Hollywood to see um, because it's a gr- because it's just a great place to start. People who already have some name recognition, they're in the press. Um, that's how Donald Trump won. Let's face it. Yeah. He didn't win on his policies. In fact, I know many conservatives who were dead set against Donald Trump, of course. Right. And then he turned out to govern very much from the right, which uh, which surprised all of us. Well, maybe not all of us, but most certainly all of those people who were dead set against him. And I know I know there were several who converted. Right. Once they saw what he was doing, they were like, oh, OK, so he's my guy now. Right. What he did at the border, for example. Yep. And I think, you know, I, I, I love Ronald Reagan and he is my hero. Uh, but in terms of getting things done in the, in the pro-life department, Donald Trump hands down the most pro-life president of our lifetime. And what a marvelous job he did. And it's unfortunate to see what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now with this new administration and the uh, majority in, uh, in Congress to the Democrats. I just kind of hold my breath as to what's going to happen. But back to your original question, I think was... Uh, is there a white knight out there in California? I don't I don't know of one uh, right now. There's a couple of people uh, who have a lot of money and a lot of backing that that want to they're Republicans and they want to challenge um, this governor. I don't know uh, exactly how conservative and constitutional um, they are. If I had a magic wand, though, um, maybe uh, maybe a Mel Gibson. I don't even know if he could run, but, uh, you know, somebody like a Mel Gibson, who we know has, has got some decent bona fides. I don't know. And then maybe there's the professional athlete out there. I don't I don't know about, for example, uh, Steve Young. And I don't know, you know, the former 49er quarterback. I don't know. I don't know if this guy how he votes. But but these are the kinds of names I'm just throwing them out there that right. I, I think would do um, pretty well. Uh, in California. It's unfortunate. The reality is for folks who don't really realize what's going on in California, obviously it's a Democrat blue state and the legislature in California is either at or near a supermajority, which means that there's nothing uh, any constitutional conservative Republican can do to stop legislation when you have a dictator uh, in the governor's mansion, which is what Gavin Newsom is. And, and these orders that he has been issuing during the government response to COVID-19 right. are beyond uh, draconian. They are catastrophic, Sam, to what is happening to our younger generation. Every once in a while, I'll get an email from a young person in California saying, uh, I, I feel so depressed. I'm so down. Maybe a high school student can't you know, visit with his friends. And this entire year of 2020 now going into 2021 is a lost year. And it's amazing to me the damage that that Newsom has done under the auspices of responding to a virus. But you and I both know and tens of millions of Americans know really what was transpiring here was the predicate to try and defeat Donald Trump in November 2020. And the blue state governors got together on a conference call with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and company that I'll never be able to prove. And they said, hey, Guess what? They step back and they look. We control one third of the U.S. economy. Well, what if we shut down that one third of the U.S. economy and get Donald Trump and his Achilles heel, which was a robust economy prior to COVID-19? And so I guess they accomplished their um, nefarious goal. But Gavin Newsom is a dictator and he has destroyed lives. He has literally killed people. He's done what Andrew Cuomo has done in New York. It's just that the mainstream media is refusing to report it. Gavin Newsom put sick people into retirement homes as well. 
Um, and uh, the evidence is there. It's just being sat on and the mainstream media right. refuses to, uh, to, to root it out. But, but we need California needs freedom. And it scares me, Sam, because there are now generations of Californians who don't even know what freedom really is because they've been living under this kind of tyranny. You know, Governor Brown before Newsom and on and on and on. They've been living under this tyranny and they don't know freedom when they see it. And they're not being educated about it in the schools. Yeah, well, the offset, the, the offset for humanity is not actually freedom. Uh, because with freedom comes responsibility and the offset of humanity is take care of me, please. And of course that never, that never ends well for the person being taken care of. Um, But I I wanted to, to hold on. I wanted to go back for a minute because you said you, you, you posit this idea that somehow the virus was intended to shut down the economy, which is really um, a horrible thing if you to to think about to think that that could possibly be and yet the 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 positioning of it was so odd the way that it came out um the way that we had Fauci and Gates predicting that there would be a pandemic predict predicting that there was a virus somehow the fact that Fauci was involved in the research of the virus that was shut down by Donald Trump and so it, it uh, was at Harvard and then they moved it to a lab in Wuhan. And, oh, that's from where the virus emanates. Um, the, the idea that, that there was so much, uh, well, of course, there was confusion surrounding the virus when it first came out. But that Fauci was then in charge of directing the economy of the United States. How did that happen? And so, you know, there's all of this stuff is very troubling. And in fact, Lo and behold, it did the one thing that that crippled Donald Trump. It also subjected everybody to this paralyzing fear. And what happens with people who who have fear, they shut down, they stop thinking. And that's unfortunately where we are today. So you've got such an uphill climb because Gavin Newsom, every time he comes on, he instills fear in the public. Fear, uh, the Soviets knew, uh, the communists know that fear is, is maybe the greatest motivating factor uh, of all of them and fear of the unknown. And so we've been spoon fed this information um, about the Wuhan coronavirus and that it can kill you. But we know and, and my instincts were way back in March of 2020 and April of 2020. I was uh, yeah, I was one of the people at the vanguard saying, hey, don't do this. This is crazy. This is a virus. The numbers are going to shake out that this is no worse than the common flu. And in fact, that's what we know now. We also so did know. You, being, when did you predict that? Were you really? In, like, in, yeah. No. In, in late March, early April, it was I would, we were getting early numbers that this was not oh, so going to be. But it was. But you were sort of post the two week flatten the curve piece. Right. But more than anything else, that scared the hell out of me, Sam, when I first heard that. Right. Because it was attacking our liberty. Of and course. I try and look at everything through a constitutional lens. Right. And when you start shutting people in their homes, you are violating their constitutional rights. You're violating right. their God-given constitutional. You're violating their right to liberty um, and, and the pursuit of happiness, what is in there in the Declaration of Independence. And so this is what scared the hell out of me. But, but, but more than anything else, I started doing my homework. I started right. to research about masks. Yes. And about the, the dangers of, of forcing people to wear a face covering for any length uh, of time. And then I did my homework about, quote, social distancing. Right. And I did my homework about lockdowns. And I found out that the lockdown and the social distancing was based on a sophomore in high school's term yes. paper in, in 2003 that somehow became part of the 
um, emergency response plan of the Bush administration, exactly. which we are now living on. Can you it, believe that? It, it's it really it goes. Your mind yeah, explodes it's, it's when you follow the threads and have these discoveries. And yet here we are. And you're in L- you're you're in L.A., right? Southern California. Well, Southern California somewhere. So you're under Gavin Newsom. Luckily, I got out. So I'm in Florida. But um, but, you know, we we have we had mandates. Um, the governor said that they couldn't actually prosecute the mandates, so they can't inflict fines. But the problem is, and you're probably aware of this, although you're just totally under mandates here, the like the like the restaurants, the restaurants insist on masks because if they don't, the health officials will come and find something. Hmm. You can always find something right. on somebody. And so they're so afraid of sort of the powers that be that they're obeying mandates that can't be enforced simply to just get along so that people, so that they can fly under the radar and at least keep their businesses open. But the worst thing that I think, and, and you haven't touched on this yet, um, is, is, is not necessarily the nursing homes, which is bad, very bad, but it's the loss of business. It's the loss of livelihood. It's the impoverishment of an entire state based on one man's whimsy. Right. And uh, again, you've taken away the livelihoods of of countless. I don't How do we even quantify mm. the damage, the financial, economic, permanent damage that has been done? We know that the number of suicides have been up during COVID. And why not? You know, one scientist, I think, put it best uh, when he was arguing against what has been going on, uh, particularly in California, but all over the country, even in Florida, um, is viruses are going to do what viruses are going to do. But don't stop human beings from being human beings. I just saw a ruling out of uh, Washington, D.C. The mayor there had been putting the hammer on allowing, I think, less than 25 percent or 25 people, some minuscule number in churches. And it's interesting that in California, Gavin Newsom targeted the churches uh, more than any other group. And God bless these ministers in, in California who said, no, we're staying open. These people you know, are afraid you know, one of they need my God guy. more than ever, right? What's that? One of them's my guy. Which guy? Our church stayed open. Oh, is that right? That's right. Well, they, he, they, they, stood, they stood up in the face of tyranny, right? Yeah. They shut down at the beginning because there was so much fear. And then he started doing his research. And then he wanted to open back up. But his um, the, church, the church tribe right, d- said, no, we're not going to open back up. And then he finally said, I'm opening on Pentecost. I'm opening May 31st. Yeah. Do what you will. And uh, we've been, that church has been open since then. No distancing, no masks. Hey, you want to wear a mask? Go right ahead. No condemnation for people who want to wear masks. But this is what freedom looks like, folks. And he's been standing in the breach and he's been standing alongside some of the other ministers and pastors who, who things have gone worse for because they've been hauled into court and stuff like that. For my pastor, Rob McCoy, he's, he's just been at the forefront of this and, um, and they've, they've had lawsuits. He's been threatened with fines and he's been fined and stuff. And, and he's just managing to, to, to get her done because that's the American way. But for us to cower, um, you know, my kids won't go to a church where they wear masks. My Good. kids are like, no, if that's the church leadership, I'm not interested. 
we need some real leadership out there. Wouldn't you agree, Graham? Oh, absolutely. And this is what I tell my daughter and I tell anybody who will listen, including you, maybe. And that is businesses that require a mask to, to enter. Now, in California, it's a little bit different. In Florida, where you, maybe you do have some choices yeah. where you can, um, you can go into an establishment that requires a mask or not. And so you have a choice. In California, it's pretty much uniform. Yep. But what I've tried to do in California is um, put up a fight as much as possible and refuse to wear a mask. A mask, to me, represents so much evil. Um, it, it represents physical evil because I, the research I've done uh, has shown over and over and over again that it becomes a biological cesspool that mask does for any length of time of, of you wearing that thing, all the bacteria. And by the way, the virus is so small that it can permeate 90% of the masks that people wear. So it's absolutely useless, number one, but more than anything, it's a compliance test, as a lot of people call it a face diaper. And I, it just really bothers me to see people walking down the street by themselves in California with a mask on or driving in a car by themselves with a mask on. Oh, my. And I, it, it, it really boggles my mind, but it also reveals, uh, you know, X amount of people in California have consumed the Kool-Aid, but I'm not Public going school. to. And I am going to fight back uh, tooth and ma- nail as long as I still reside in the once golden state. I am trying to be one of those voices uh, of reason. And it's interesting when we look at the recall, why it's important for people in Florida and in Georgia or Texas is because Gavin Newsom wants to be your president. And if we don't mortally wound Newsom here and now, he might become president. Who knows? We don't know. We need to take him out, politically speaking, now and and give him that scarlet letter, politically speaking, and, and make sure that he doesn't proceed in his nefarious political career. But also another reason why the other states should be very uh, interested in helping the recall is because the cancer that exists in California is spreading among the 49 other states. And I'm sure you see signs of it in Florida. There's signs of it in Texas. People who move, yeah, maybe I'll move to Florida one day and bring my conservative constitutional values with me. But there are people moving to Texas right now who are not bringing their, they're bringing their liberal California ideas. They're just fleeing. For no, example, Gene Simmons just announced, I don't know Gene Simmons' political persuasion. I would imagine he's probably conservative. Yeah. But he just announced he's out of, out of there. So kiss yeah. California goodbye with Gene yeah. Simmons. Right? <laughs> Very and funny. so he's, he's going to be in Nevada. But Nevada ain't much better than California. You know, so if you look at the states that surround California, Arizona, Arizona is now being ruined by Californians moving over there and bringing their liberal principles with them. Look what happened in the election. Arizona should have gone to Trump easy. Instead, it was a debacle. Nevada is not looking good. And we know about Oregon uh, and Washington state. Look what's going on in Washington state. They're disasters. So if you want to mitigate the spread of the virus of the liberal California, you've got to help take out Newsom, politically speaking, and try and install somebody in there in the governor's mansion who's going to bring some common sense, some constitutional common sense back to the, the good people of California. But, you know, there's another reason why I think it's important for people in New York and in Illinois and in uh, Pennsylvania in particular. If you don't like their governors, and we know what's going on with Cuomo um, right now, this should be a warning shot to Whitmer in uh, in in Michigan right. and all right. the other dictatorial governors out there that, hey, there is an effort out there to keep you in line. And maybe this will help 
either get those governors to be less anti-constitutional or maybe inspire people in those states to try and remove exactly. those governors as well. Yeah, exactly. Really great points all along. And and something in the, and the, let's let's face it, that's why we're on this call right now talking about this, because um, people need to know why this is important for them. Uh, we need to take out the bad seeds. And for all of those reasons, it's inspirational. It's forward thinking. Uh, you bring up this idea that he might run for president. I honestly, you know, I immediately thought, well, gosh, if you take him out, are they are they going to be able to use that and say, see, he was unfairly targeted or whatever. Um, but we need we need alternative forms of media so that we can get the word out and we can discuss these things without the fear of censorship, because um, of the terrible things that he's managed to do, the terrible things that Cuomo's managed to do. So I have one final question for you because, oh, this is going long, but I'm really enjoying it. And I hope you are too. Um, Governor Cuomo, you know, he got away with basically genocide, not genocide. What, what do we call it? Um, uh, well, anyway, killing a bunch of old people, right? Uh, age, that, that ageist thing that he did by by um, consigning COVID patients to go into nursing homes, which was the worst thing. And it was known to be the worst decision to have made at that time, which, which begs the question, did he do it on purpose? And then, and that's not the question. The question is this, he got a pass from the media for so long. Why all of a sudden do you think it's become an issue that he targeted young women sexually? Well, this is the way the media works. The media ignores, ignores, ignores until they can ignore no more. When I joined the recall team back in November, December of last year, I sat down with the lead proponents, Mike Netter and Oren Heathley, and I said to them, the media is going to ignore you. And remember, you're talking to somebody who um, I'm a recovering member of the of the mainstream media. It's a 12-step process. I'm on step number 11 and a half, so I'm doing pretty well here. I haven't uh, had any uh, fallback into the uh, mainstream media mode. So I know these people. I worked with them, and I know how they work. And when I was uh, doing the news in San Diego, I anchored the news at the CBS affiliate in 2003, I was warning the news director, hey, there's a recall effort of Gray Davis, and um, it's getting momentum. And they told me, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Shut up and sit down. And I'd go back every couple of weeks and I'd say, hey, the signatures are starting to add up. Ah, shut up and sit down until they couldn't ignore it anymore. And you know, we hit the threshold back then in 2003. Same thing here in California now. They hit a certain threshold and all of a sudden, oh, there's a story to report. Well, there was always a story to report. The media just chose to ignore it. And so right. that's the answer to your question uh, uh, with Cuomo. It's, it's just been done over and over and over again by the mainstream media. But I want to go back to one more point before you let me go. Sure. You mentioned um, about alternative forms of communication. It is crucial, Sam, that we stick together. I'm out there talking about what I call a second declaration of independence. And what that is, is independence from people like Nancy Pelosi, who believes that she has the ability to unseat a duly elected member of Congress. So those of us who are conservative, those of us who are Christian, those of us who support Donald Trump, those of us who ha happen to believe in the United States Constitution, you and me, we need to stick together. I did an interview with Mike Lindell, my pillow. It was a nice interview, just a, a good time we had. We spent maybe 10, 15 minutes together and we talked about the 2020 election and it was getting a lot of action on YouTube. Guess what happened to that video, Sam? Poof. YouTube canceled it. YouTube deleted it. So what I tell people 
uh, is go to my website, GrahamLedger.com, and you can subscribe free to my podcast. I have an email list. I don't use it for any other nefarious reason. <laughs> and we can then communicate directly, right? We can bypass the media and the, and the, and the social media giants out there. We've got to use the alternative media, like instead of uh, YouTube, I still use YouTube, but I also use Rumble, for example. And we've got right. to stick together and talk to one another. And we are, would be strength in numbers because I still believe there's more of us than them out there. They just know how to organize and scream louder than us. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. And they are now, some of them are controlling the pathways for communication. And so, yeah, Rumble. So, so the interview with Mike Lindell, is it up on Rumble then? It is on Rumble. Yeah. Yeah. And just go to gramledger.com. And how often do you do your podcast? Uh, I do a couple of week. And it's uh, great to be uh, partners with uh, uh, MyPillow. If, if folks are interested in any MyPillow products, if they go to uh, MyPillow.com, put my last name, Ledger, L-E-D-G-E-R, in the promo code box, and you'll get up to 66% off. So if you need nice. a pillow, there you go. Nice. Well, you're awesome. It's great to host you here, and I'm looking forward to coming on your show as well. And by the way, are you still on One America News then? No, I am independent, uh, and that's why when YouTube cancels me, it hurts so much because this is my platform, you know, what we're doing right here. So right. let's stick together and, and pledge to do that and, right. and support your governor in, in Florida. We love Ron DeSantis, and we love the other constitutional governors out there, but we all need to stick together. Let's get you one of those in California. So anybody, if you have any ideas, you can email, uh, email Graham. At his website. I'm sure there's a way of contacting him there. And yes, we need to get on email lists so that we can stay yeah. connected because the left is seeking to divide as it always does. It seeks to divide. And uh, in, in that sense, divide and conquer. Um, Graham Ledger, thanks so much for coming on the program. Really appreciate it. God bless you. You too. All right, folks. So um, let's see. I will. There we go. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk briefly about something completely different because it's too funny. This is off the Babylon Bee um, because I can't help myself. Ha ha. Party that screamed about fascism for last four years. Cheers as the military attacks a journalist. <laughs> okay. So, so Babylon B, Sure. Um, Sure, it's a, it's a satire site, but they're making a really good point because uh, they are targeting people as they're saying, don't be fascist, fascism is bad. That's what Antifa is. Antifa is fascist. And so I just thought this article was very clever and cute. Um, according to sources, the party that screamed about the rise of fascism for the last four years has been cheering on the military for attacking a popular journalist. Yeah, get him. Take Tucker down, shouted one pink haired woman wearing a Trump equals Hitler T-shirt for old time's sake. I'm glad the military is criticizing a reporter. This is the only way we're going to be able to take down the fascists once and for all, she said fascistically. Yeah, I'm just kidding, but it's pretty funny. Um, and so, in fact, uh, they are proving themselves to be, yeah, uh, worse, worse in a sense than uh, what they criticize. All right. So moving on, we're going to talk about this teachers. Uh, this is off the Daily Wire. Teachers compile a list of parents who question racial curriculum and then they plot a war on them. Oh, yeah, this is in our public schools. This is this is crazy. This is in Loudoun County, Virginia. They compiled a lengthy list of parents 
who were suspected of disagreeing with school system actions. So trust me, parents, if you want to get into this fight, understand that um, you will be targeted. It won't be easy. I have, I have a, a new friend who reached out by email. And if you want to email me, go to samsorbo.com and you can email directly to me. Um, and of course, that's where you buy my books. But do subscribe to my videos because uh, it helps me. And uh, I need to know that you're out there because I need all the support that I can get. Um, I was called strident the other day as a, as a compliment. And uh, I guess I own that. I've become somewhat strident because I recognize what's happening. I recognize it. I see it very clearly, in fact, and more clearly now because I've been doing a ton of interviews for my book. Um, And so uh, just because I've been saying, in a sense, you say the same thing over and over again, but you, but you say it differently and, and it grows and it morphs and you're thinking about it constantly. And I just, I've come to some really profound realizations while I've been in interview mode, so to speak. And, um, and one of them is that I do need, uh, that, that I do really appreciate the support. I, of course, I came to that because I was getting support after, after my interviews. And uh, I really, um, it just heartens me to, to read those. And by heartens, I mean, it, it strengthens my heart. It strengthens my resolve. Um, and so they had their stated, these, these, um, these teachers had a stated purpose in part to infiltrate, use hackers to silence parents' communications and expose these people publicly. The left will stop at nothing. We have to understand this finally, okay? The left doesn't operate with the same sort of, um, you know, parameters that the restrictions that we impose on ourselves because we know the difference between good and evil. The left recognizes no such thing. They recognize only what's good for me now. And that makes our job very difficult in standing up to them because they won't stop at anything. And leftism is a cancer. And in fact, I say that, and you know, it's not a joke. Leftism is, is wrong think. It's a disease of the mind. There is a disease of the mind that must be taking place for them to think that there is some sanity involved in drag queen story time, for instance, or teaching sex ed to second graders or third graders. That's a disease of the mind. And in fact, you know, I did this on the radio a few years ago. Maybe I should bring this back. One of the books that really changed, changed the way that I, that I see the world is the book, um, The Death of Right and Wrong by Tammy Bruce of whom I am a big fan. And it was her introduction to this book that really sort of opened my eyes. In fact, I will, I'll bring it back. I made notes in the introduction and highlights and stuff. Um, But I'll, I'll summarize it right here for you guys. The idea is that the, the leftists create a support group for people who are um, injured some way. And then the support group sort of decomposes into a support group for finding, for, for finding people who are injured, but also for injuring other people um, as a way of sort of keeping relevance. This is a tough thing because 
um, virtually any nonprofit, if it's seeking to say eradicate hunger, and that's the purpose of the nonprofit, then it's working at odds with itself because in eradicating hunger, it then becomes uh, superfluous. It, it basically seeks its own destruction in a sense. And, um, and the same is true for these kinds of um, ideas of personal grievances, personal injuries. It doesn't pay for them to get their grievances met. It only pays for them to find other aggrieved people and find people to force into uh, the same grievance that they, that they themselves have. And how I got there from this Daily Wire article about these teachers is, uh, is beyond me, but let's, let's hope that I discover that soon. <laughs> Members of the 624-member private Facebook, face, Facebook group called Anti-Racist Parents of Loudoun County named parents and plotted fundraising and other offline work. Some used pseudonyms, but the Daily Wire has identified them as a who's who of the affluent jurisdiction outside D.C., including school staff and elected officials. So understand that you might be one of the lucky few whose school elected officials are working to destroy you. How else can I put it? Is there a better way to put it? And by the way, I'll take your emails on this one. Feel free to comment in the comment section of the, of the YouTube page. Um, also, please subscribe and feel free to share this with other people. I actually have a friend who has kids in, I don't think it's Lawden County, but it's a, it's a county in uh, Virginia, has his, schools, has his kids in school there. And uh, they recently had a new sort of directive come out about how there's too much violence against Asian people and it has to stop. And we have to take this moment and use this moment as a way to bring, uh, you know, to bring this to light and to work towards uh, getting, uh, you know, equality of treatment for all people. Including, Anyway, it's, it's really so much blather because if you look at that case, that it, it's, I'm sorry, it's just they drew the wrong conclusions from that case. But we're talking about this. The Sheriff's Criminal Investigations Division is remu- reviewing the matter, but the group's activities might be no surprise to top law enforcement because the county's prosecutor narrowly elected with the help of $845,000 in cash from George Soros appears to be a member of the Facebook group. We really have to get involved in politics, folks. You're just not going to be able to win otherwise. It's through politics that judges are appointed. It's through politics that laws are made. It's through politics that they influence the culture. And you are sorely misled if you think that we can accomplish great change without that and without uh, getting involved in our education system. In fact, I was recently on the the Rubin Report with uh, Dave Rubin and Corey DeAngelis and Jill Simonian from PragerU, or Prager Prep, I should say, um, and uh, that's an organization that seeks to empower parents and inform them on getting involved in their schools and changing the status quo and mixing things up a little bit for the better for our students. Um, and, you know, we, we talked all about, in fact, you can, you can go watch the video um, at, uh, at uh, uh, what is it? Um, the Rubin report. Uh, 
Fui. I'm not forgetting. I'm forgetting the name of his um, his platform. Um, anyway, we talked about the various options, and of course, Corey DeAngelis comes to us from uh, School Choice. Uh, wants parents to be able to exercise school choice and therefore wants funding to go instead of into the coffers of the schools, it should follow the student. So if your student chooses to go to that school, they get the money. But if your student or you choose for your student to go to a different school, that school gets the money and the first school loses out. And it ought to be competitive because it's through competition that we see the great successes in all areas of life, it's through competition. And he actually, Corey DeAngelis, in fact, I'll have him on the show soon. He cited all of these different studies that they've done that areas that have multiple Catholic schools in the area, and Catholic schools are notoriously inexpensive compared to sort of other private schools, the areas that have uh, an abundance of Catholic schools, that the public schools perform better because there's competition in the marketplace and they know they have to step up. Um, In recent years, the Laudan school system has flooded its curricula and policies with racial rhetoric, paying about $500,000 to one racial consulting company alone. This is big business folks. And they're using your money to do it. And they're using your money to then implement racist policies in the schools to teach children that they are oppressed to teach them uh, bigotry, frankly, um, all kinds of things. It required, so in Laudan, they required all staff to undergo equity in the center training that promoted a sense of injustice and urgency. This is happening right now, these days. Um, These things are just tremendously disruptive. And now um, school-backed efforts to change the thinking of adults seemingly succeeded and communities have collapsed into acrimony. Uh, criminal review has been opened. School board members have been stripped of her duties. Um, there are, you know, multiple stories about this kind of a thing, but that's only when people rise up and fight back. And so I would encourage you to get involved in your local school boards. In fact, I was asked on the day on the Rubin report, you know, what about parents who really want to engage and they, they're willing to get involved and they want to fight back and they want to change the school's for the betterment of all children. And I say, that is awesome. And I support them, but not at the cost of their own children. And my argument there is if your child is exposed to something like a pornographic, uh, 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 violent imagery, which children routinely are in schools now, um, they can't unsee that that's damage done. So was it worth it? I mean, we really have to weigh our, uh, our ideals here. And, and we really have to weigh uh, our desired outcomes. What is it that we're hoping for with all of this is the question. Okay. I'm going to stop there um, for a moment and uh, I will come back. So welcome again to the Sam Sorbo show. Of course, you're listening to the Sam Sorbo show on Mojo Five O, but also on YouTube uh, where I have my YouTube channel. So if you can see me, hello, I'm waving at you, but if you can't, that's okay too. This story came across, I've got two stories to bring to you right now. A really 
sort of tragic one and also uh, one that's a little bit more uplifting. So um, this story came to me from Front Page Magazine. There's a Muslim woman who was screaming Allahu Akbar as she brandished the severed head of a child. Back in February 2016, you might have heard this story. It horrified the world. She beheaded a four-year-old, Anastasia Meshkaryakova, whom she served as a nanny. Um, once Russian police got around to arresting her, she brandished the head and raved for 20 full minutes. Okay. They declared her to be mentally ill. And in a sense, rightly so, because good people who understand truth, beauty, and, ju- and goodness know that killing a child, beheading a four-year-old is completely inappropriate and crazy and should never happen. However, other people who don't adhere to the ideals of truth, beauty, and goodness disagree. And so the good news, supposedly good news, is that the psychiatrists have pronounced her cured and she has been set to walk free. So the UK's Mail Online report Friday, uh, it reported that after just five years in psych ward, Bobokulova has been cured, cured in quote marks, of her, quote, chronic psychiatric disorder, which was what exactly? And so she can be freed without endangering the public. So that seemed a little bit too easy and a little bit too convenient. Are they just tired of hosting her there? She, um, she went to the metro in Moscow, brandishing the little girl's head and screaming, I am a terrorist, and Allahu Akbar, which means... Um, Allah is great or greater, I think, is the proper translation. But apparently she's put all that behind her now. As if uh, jihad was never really the focus. Um, And so then that brings up another question of, you know, how are we defining jihad? Well, they define it. And I would say this is the bad guys define it as a... um, an inner struggle, but I define it as going and killing other people for personal glory, uh, which is really quite frightening that they have come to this point and so uh, are letting, setting her free. In the article, it says the doctrines of jihad still remain and uh, maybe she's going to act on them again, but no, no, shut up, you greasy Islamophobe. No, no, step aside. You're blocking the multicultural sunbeams. Her doctors say they are confident that she is harmless, which is really quite something. And I wonder if they are prepared for the consequences of that um, decision, if they are. Uh, the Quran says, when you meet unbelievers, strike the next. That's 47.4. It doesn't exempt nannies from this command or exclude four-year-old girls from the pool of unbelievers who should be beheaded. It just says, when you meet the unbelievers, strike the next. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. That's what the book says. That's what the, that's what the followers apparently subscribe to. Now, you don't have to subscribe to it, but then why are you calling yourself Islamic? or a Muslim. So, um, uh, you know what? I'm going to leave that there because uh, 
you know, we've uh, we've touched on it. I, I tend to agree. Robert Spencer wrote this article and I tend to, uh, you know, agree with his skepticism, frankly, um, because, frankly, we just had a mass shooting in the United States that clearly was motivated by jihad. And we are just burying our heads in the ground by not recognizing that ideology. We recognize, we are very keen to recognize Judeo-Christianity as an ideology and to criticize it as such. And yet, as a, as a nation, we don't recognize the competing ideologies, and they exist. There are competing ideologies. It's not a vacuum. And the, the, there are two of them that compete with the Judeo-Christian ideology, and you need to choose. Everybody needs to choose. I love this. This is a de Tocqueville quote. We can state with conviction, therefore, that a man's support for absolute government is in direct proportion to the contempt he feels for his country. I'll say it again in English. I like to do the French accent. We can state with conviction, therefore, that a man's support for absolute government is in direct proportion to the contempt he feels for his country. In other words, and you know who de Tocqueville, Alexis de Tocqueville came over to the United States and toured and was shocked, 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 I tell you, by the amount of uh, freedom, the, the conviction to our ideals that he saw, the societal um, adhesions, uh, liaisons that he saw, he was very, very obviously favorably impressed with the United States, but he did notice some things. And he noticed that there were people who were more in favor of absolute government uh, tyranny, we would say. And, um, and this is actually, it's funny because this, I, I singled out this quote because this is the connection that I'm trying to draw for people. The left hates the United States. They hate everything about it. They hate its formation. They hate the people who have benefited from its formation, which includes everybody in the whole world. They hate babies. They hate the word. They hate God. They hate. They hate, they hate, they hate. And they seek destruction and they seek to control. And by controlling, they will destroy. That's, that's just their M.O., And we, oh my gosh, we just really need to get to this understanding that this is the way that it is. Okay, last little piece before I leave you guys. All right, so this is the Sam Sorbo Show. Thanks again for joining me. And I'm going to cover this this, uh, one little piece. We'll keep this short and sweet. This is off the blaze Um, The FAA is now investigating a pilot from Southwest Airlines. And by the way, I'll just say my husband's been flying Southwest a bit lately, and he has been reporting that it is awful to fly. And I'm, I'm just saying this is purely anecdotal, and I'm not encouraging any kind of boycott or whatever. You make the choice. But he says that on Southwest, more than any other airline, they are such mask holes. And they literally, on two of his flights of, of late, the, the um, flight attendant has gotten on the loudspeaker and said, 
Listen, folks, we are not fooling around. If you take a drink, you don't sit there with the cup raised to your lips, not putting your mask back on. You are to put the mask back on between sips of water. We are not messing around. If you break this rule, you may be asked to leave the plane and you will not be invited back on a Southwest Airlines flight. So maybe I'm encouraging you all to go fly Southwest, break the rule, get thrown off. And let's see how many people they're willing to throw off before they'll concede that that was a bad play. I don't know. I'm just saying, but he's been, my husband's been accosted so many times now, which is funny because they know who they're talking to. And in other circumstances, they adore him. And yet they can't, they can't get past their brainwashing, uh, you know, adherence to, Um, this mask lie that's been propagated. Uh, So this story, a Southwest Airlines pilot might be in some trouble after being recorded over an air traffic control scanner as he unleashed his fury on the San Francisco Bay Area while taxiing on a local runway. He referred to the residents as liberal F-words and effing weirdos. F this place, goddamn liberal Fs, the unidentified pilot says, according to the dictation of the San Francisco gate. He adds effing weirdos probably driving around in effing Hyundais, effing roads, and S word that goes slow as F word, and you don't have balls unless you're effing rolling coal, man, goddamn it. Wow. Just a tirade of experts. Like you start to wonder, did he have Tourette's? But of course, I used to I used to say when I was on the air, when I was um, on my national daily three hour a day show, which was, yeah, it was a lot, although it was a lot of fun. I used to say um, when I would get really frustrated with what the left was up to and boy, it doesn't even compete with what I'm seeing happening today. But back then it seemed like, wow, we're just taking taking the training wheels off of this stuff. I used to say, oh, boy, here comes my Tourette's. Yeah, but I don't swear. I don't like to swear. Um, The gate discovered that the airline in question is Southwest and the company confirmed it was one of their pilots caught on the hot mic and they issued this statement. Our corporate culture is built on a tenet of treating others with concern and dignity. And the comments are inconsistent with the professional behavior and overall respect that we require from our employees. Really? After the story that I just told of my husband's experience on your flights. In fact, he should record it. The situation, they say, was an isolated incident involving a single employee not representative of the nearly 60,000 hardworking, respectful people of Southwest Airlines. They might want to do a gut check on this. The Mail pointed out that a March 2014 report by political scientists titled Representation in Municipal Government ranks San Francisco as the most liberal city of at least 250,000 people in the United States based on public policy preferences. And Oakland, another city in the Bay Area, ranks fourth on the same report. The city of San Francisco's mayor and entire board of supervisors are Democrats. Of course, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi owns a home in the city, and until weeks ago, so did Vice President Kamala Harris. And so I don't understand what the problem is, though. He was just... uh, 
he was just uh, airing his grievances. Aren't, isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be feeling oppressed and airing our grievances? Because I'll tell you something, my husband feels terribly oppressed when he's on a plane and they're busy chastising him and telling him to pull his mask up. And he says this, he goes, you know, I'm on a plane, I'm literally sitting within inches of other people, within inches. And yeah, we're wearing masks, which the boxes say they do nothing. That's what the box says. Everybody's wearing masks. By the way, the airplane air in theory is circulated and recirculated, but filtered like super filtered air. And then when they get up, the announcement goes out, please don't forget to social distance between the passengers. What? But they're willing to seat everybody right next to each other. What? Come on, folks. It's crazy. It's just crazy. All right. So that's it for my show today. I want to thank you all for coming and joining me. If you join me on YouTube, please don't forget to subscribe. It's that little button right down there and you just have to click it. And if you haven't joined me on YouTube, come on over. It's fun. And, um, uh, and you can see my beautiful book there in the background, Words for Warriors, available on Amazon, but also available at samsorbo.com, where if you choose, I will autograph it for you or for anybody uh, that you choose and send it to you right away. Uh, so did I cover everything? Oh, uh, you know what? Before I go, I just want to tell you, we screened my movie. Um, it's not really my movie. I was sort of kibitzer in chief. I got to consult. I basically consulted a bunch on this movie because it meant so much to me called leaders for life. And you can go to leadersforlifefilm.com for more information. In fact, we did a screening. It was a big screening. We had um, a couple hundred people there. It was very exciting. Uh, we had some guest speakers and um, Frank, the director producer, put the whole thing together. He did a masterful job. Uh, you can find him at leadersforlifefilm.com. And uh, we just had a great turnout. People really enjoyed the movie. It is available for you to bring to uh, say a church in your area. If you want to screen it, it deals with the, the lie of the pro-life movement, the abject lie that the pro-life movement is built on and continues to uh, exploit. And so um, we just, I just want to encourage you to uh, you can order, by the way, he's selling DVDs and I will put the DVDs up on my website soon um, I'm just not, I just don't have the bandwidth for everything these days. I'm doing a little bit too much, but, um, but the screening was very, was uh, very successful. And right before the screening Newsmax, God bless them, reached out and did an interview with my husband and me about the movie, which was a lot of fun. And it broke the internet because there was so much traffic to the website, leadersforlifefilm.com. So that was kind of an exciting thing. Um, I got to MC the event and of course, Kevin spoke, but we did have a few other speakers who did just just great. It was great. Right Side News was there broadcasting. So we did a live interview with Right Side News. Um, you can go find them and check that out, I'm sure. And uh, don't forget to go to SorboFamilyFilmStudios.com. Sign up for our emails, please, so that we can stay in touch. Promise we won't inundate your inbox. And you know, if you don't want to read it, you just swipe it away. So do sign up for the emails so that we can stay in touch because eventually YouTube's coming after all of us, not just me, all of us. So let's find another way to communicate because once we lose our ability to communicate, violence will ensue. Really, that's the message behind 
my book, Words for Warriors. Although that's, that's the message behind the book. The message of the book is we can take back our language and this is where you start. So get yourself a copy of Words for Warriors. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Sam Sorbo signing off.